0: Welcome to another episode of the Spooky Barber Babes Podcast, a YouTube edition. Uh, I am Brianna. I know you don't really hear my voice very often, and of course, uh, to my left here is the lovely green-haired and green lip today, Crystal. You hear her voice most often, but today that is going to be different for several reasons.
1: <laughs> so I have been quarantining for the last week because of COVID yay um if you guys listen to any of the episodes that we've put out um the beginning of this year my voice was sounding really crappy i thought it was just you know cold weather whatever um, various winter things the the usual but uh nope my house was infected with covid so with me being on quarantine and half dying to hacking up along which again i will not wish this on my worst enemy um I'm going to conserve my voice so y'all don't hear me hacking up a lung. Um, and, you know, for those of you that are actually watching this, if you see me just practically, like, fall off and just just, just ignore me, I'm hacking up a lung. I've muted myself.
0: I'm going to try say, my least best. At discussed ahead of time <laughs> that she will attempt, to, in, in all her power, to mute ahead of time. Yeah. It's, to it, avoid the editing fiasco that would be.
1: <laughs> it sucks. Like that's why I, I feel so bad and I want to apologize like I know I was like oh yeah I'm gonna put this on I'm gonna put that on I'm gonna put this out I am I've been a couch potato
0: for the last week it should also be put out there that's despite COVID quarantining or not um in real life, we both work full-time. So, you know, there is that. Uh, so that is yeah. why we haven't really put out any YouTube version since like October because girl, we did a lot in October and we need <laughs> to like have a legitimate non-recorded zoom session to <laughs> calendar september and october so then that way we're not going <laughs> crazy people. so today we are discussing the ever so infamous case of jody arias and travis alexander now if you have not heard of this case you've been living under a rock. fair warning graphic details a lot of sexual stuff involved uh when it comes to their case Um, If you do any kind of watching of the documentaries and stuff like that, there are two documentaries and one Lifetime movie, which for a Lifetime movie, it's not bad. It's not good, but it's not bad. Like there's a few details changed here and there, but for the most part, they do an okay job of portraying kind of what her like craziness level was. Um, as well as their relationship and some of the main details and this, that, and the third. But the other well, and then the main documentary that I kind of actually just recently watched is very neutral, whereas the other one is more like basically painting her in a very good light. Which which one's that?
1: Because I know the one on Discovery Plus. It there's two neutral. that use
0: the exact same image. So okay. like if you look up Jodi Arias on Discovery Plus, there's three things that come up. The first one is the three parts documentary. The middle one is the Lifetime movie, and then the one all the way to the right is the one that's like her lead um, defense attorney. Like she
1: couldn't hurt a fly. Oh, okay. I think that's the one yeah. that I'd seen because that one came out what 2020. I don't know something
0: but yeah so you'll learn there's a lot of details here and there um i think people find this case so frustrating just because of jody as a person uh she very much mirrors a lot of uh casey anthony ted bundy even vibes um just in her overall confidence in herself which isn't a bad thing but it also didn't help her in the long run either um so i think that's ultimately why i think this case is so frustrating to a lot of people just because she was just so adamant that like oh i'm not gonna spend a day in prison
1: i was gonna say another thing that kind of frustrated people was that i mean i mean you gotta think about it it almost took 10 years to put her away yeah
0: yeah that's the overall murder yeah like the, the, there's gonna be a lot of kind of year details here and there that are gonna get a little confusing because the overall mm-hmm. murder happened in 2008 so her and i gristle and i were 18 we were, graduating we were gra- high school.
1: actually actually when he was murdered we uh we had both probably were graduating
0: yeah we were pretty much like right around high school graduation yeah um, but the overall trial aspect wasn't until Well, the first initial trial aspect wasn't until 2013. So Mm -hmm. why it took that five-year gap, I think it's just, it's, I mean, it's up in the air. It's how the judicial system works, I guess. But yeah, so, (laughs) but before we get into the Jody Arias-Travis Alexander case, uh, we will take a quick ad break. All right. So first things first, I'm going to start with the victim in this case, just because he is ultimately... The main, the one that we really want to give some light to here. So, Travis Alexander was born July twenty eighth, nineteen seventy seven. Oddly enough, the day before <laughs> someone over here, <laughs> which it's is on odd. The day we'll get into years. that later.
1: And years before, yes, been, several years was before. Not-
0: <laughs> he was one of eight siblings. His parents were meth addicts and would often leave him and his siblings alone for days at a time, often without food and means to fend for themselves. <laughs> Uh, So as Travis got older, he and his siblings were taken in by his grandparents in Riverside, California. His grandparents were heavily involved in the Mormon church, and as he was growing up, Travis adapted that as part of his lifestyle. He enjoyed growing up with a stable community of church-driven people, and one of the rites of passage of Mormons is to go on a two-year mission once they turn 18. So after he compl- uh, Travis completed his two-year mission in Denver, he returned to California where he became an employee of a company called Prepaid Legal Services, which is a market- like a multi-level marketing company. So basically, they provide clients with various legal services for varying levels of yearly fees, but then they also recruit people to work underneath of them and recruit other salespeople as well. So you basically make more money the more people you recruit, and so on and so forth
1: pyramid scheme
0: yeah otherwise known as a pyramid scheme (laughs) so this company was also heavily mormon based in terms of its employees because as mormon missionaries they're used to recruiting people and getting people to join so an mlm career concept is pretty much perfect uh because it's pretty much fairly similar all right. So in 2004, Travis would later move to Mesa, Arizona, which is also a very Mormon based community. Um, it's actually the largest Mormon based community next to Salt Lake City, Utah. So Travis made a lot of friends working for prepaid legal services as long as, as well as within the Mormon church, uh, since that was largely part of that community. So by the time Travis was 29, he was doing really well for himself. He was good looking. He had a lot of friends. He owned a home. Uh, He rented two rooms out to friends in that home. Uh, He was writing a blog basically about his rough upbringing and how he overcame it and became really successful. Uh, He was very charismatic, loved public speaking, loved making people laugh. He was definitely kind of a life of the party type of guy. And he was basically at a point that he wanted to meet the one and kind of settle down and meet his future wife. So when you're involved in the Mormon church, obviously when you're looking for your future partner, you'd probably want your future partner to be Mormon as well, uh, so that you share kind of the same values. So it's important to mention that Within the Mormon religion, the law of chastity is a huge part of the belief system that sex is only to be had between a husband and a wife. So absolutely no premarital sex a lot, like, is allowed at all. Um, well, Travis had a very hidden sex life. He was described as a very sexual person. He had to hide a pretty much a large part of his life from his friends in the Mormon community, and he wanted them all to pretty much believe that he was a virgin, only a very very close friend of his really kind of knew the truth mostly just because he confided in him
1: so i think the roommates would have known too you'd
0: think just so i think so
1: and they probably <laughs> did know to be honest probably. with you they probably were just like oh
0: yeah it's just kind of one of those like we're, we're, we're just not gonna touch on that yeah so getting into uh the the reason we're all here <laughs> jody Arias was born july 9th Two days after my birthday <laughs> oh I know why didn't
1: I make that connection sooner
0: <laughs> but she was oh. born in 1980 in Eureka California she was born to an otherwise middle-class family to Sandy and Bill Arias and her father owned a restaurant in the town so they weren't rich they weren't poor they were just kind of middle-class getting by working family Jody was raised otherwise as a Christian but her parents didn't really force it on their kids they just kind of said okay well you know, what they want to do with it is what they want to do with it. But they did, in fact, enforce some sort of religion in terms of daily household rules, as far as a curfew, Ten Commandments, etc. Her mother said that Jody was a good student. She was always reading, and she actually even encouraged her to read and kind of better educate herself about the world around her. So when Jody was in middle school, her parents discovered that she was actually attempting to grow weed in her room. And they called the sheriff's office, essentially, on themselves basically kind of ratted her out so that's kind of when Jody's main form of rebellion started Jodi claims that her childhood starting around the age of seven was marked with child abuse and how she uh and her siblings were beaten with wooden spoons and belts and shoved into pianos and her parents deny any of this. Her mother's didn't even didn't the
1: siblings deny it too?
0: Yeah. And her mother's even said she has no idea where she got this idea that her childhood was so rough because it's not true. So basically when Jodi was around dating age, she pretty much always had a boyfriend. She would pretty much go from guy to guy in between with really no breaks in between. She was kind of boy crazy. So Jodi went to Eureka Union High School until she dropped out in the 11th grade and pretty much just earned her GED. It was around that time that she basically took an interest in photography she enjoyed taking pictures of everything, which is ironic when it comes to this case. And as we'll find out later on, uh, she always had a camera with her and she really felt like she was developing an eye to potentially do photography as a career. Well, in 2001, Jody moved to Palm Desert, where she started working for Montana Inn and Spa as a waitress. And she got involved with a guy named Daryl Brewer, who was the resort's food and beverage manager. So she quickly began spending t- a lot of time with Daryl and his son from a previous marriage. They even bought a house together. And the more that the relationship went, out, went on, Jody realized that the future with Daryl wasn't exactly what she wanted. Despite being great with the son she already had, she wanted kids of her own, and Daryl being older and previously married, it was kind of looking that that wasn't really a possibility for the future of their relationship. So around this time, Jody and Daryl also started to have some financial issues, so in addition to waitressing, in February of 2006, Jody came to work for prepaid legal services. The more she would kind of delve into the world of legal services and sales, she really did grow to like it. However, the financial issues didn't really stop, and her and Daryl ended up parting ways shortly after Jody ended up meeting Travis. Despite having been with Daryl since 2002, it wasn't worth it. After she had met Travis, it was just, she knew. We'll get to that considering how Jody would react later on to, you know, Travis's breakup, it's kind of ironic that the breakup with Daryl really didn't have that much animosity. It was fairly mutual.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm wondering if it's
0: because of, there was
1: issues in the relationship that were like, she was like, oh, I'm doing everything and we're not going everywhere. So I'm thinking like, the difference between the breakup with Daryl and the breakup with, Travis was she wanted out of
0: the one relationship or she, she did not want out of the other. other yeah so in September of 2006 Jody and Travis happened to attend the same convention held by prepaid legal services in Las Vegas so apparently this was a common thing for their company to host all these all expense paid trips in various places for all of their employees to basically attend speaking events, meet other team members, improve sales techniques, et cetera. So different articles say different things about how they actually met, but the most common thing that is told is that the first night of the conference, there's a big company banquet and then all the executives are given two tickets. Well, most of the executives bring their spouses, but Travis being single, he was set up with Jody through mutual friends as someone that they had just recruited and they thought that they, they would hit it off. So it's said that all who were with them that night could basically see that they had an instant connection and they just basically sat and talked all night. They were really smitten with one another. So Travis's biggest problem with Jody, um, in terms of forming a relationship, aside from living in different cities, different states, was that she just wasn't a Mormon. So when the convention was over, Jody went back to California and Travis went back to Arizona. They stayed in touch and they would talk daily, but around, it was around this time that Travis began to give Jody some information about joining the Mormon church. Jody had apparently showed interest in it on her own, but it wasn't really something that Travis forced on her. It was assumed that she had kind of showed interest in it, mostly just because of the people that she worked with, with PPL, mostly being Mormon. Obviously she's around it a lot. So probably a curiosity was there in general. But on November 26, 2006, Jody was actually baptized into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints with Travis as her sponsor. So, shortly after, Travis and Jody made their relationship essentially official because they could be an open couple. So, as we mentioned before, in the Mormon faith, having sex before marriage is a big no no. Well, Travis and Jody were definitely not following that <laughs> they I mean, definitely had a very serious sexual relationship and because they lived in different states they would awful they would often travel to halfway points or to different cities to spend time with each other as well as have a lot of sex under the radar
1: i mean i was gonna jokingly say you know the conference what happens in vegas stays in vegas kind yeah, of thing i mean know. they probably hooked up that night they probably hooked up the night of the banquet and oh, probably, probably every probably. consecutive night that they oh, were there okay. for
0: they often traveled to different places to be together and uh, even were picking places that they would go of their vacations based on this book in Thousand Places to See Before You Die. Uh, so being into photography as she was, Jodi would basically take photos of all their travels, documenting everything, and uh, even sometimes bringing in the camera into the bedroom with them to document all of their dalliances. So throughout the course of the relationship they exchanged over 82,000 emails and texts which if you're thinking back to times it's not like it is now where each person's thread is just a conversation these were individual text messages because this God, is how did 2000 we ever survive with all that i know that's what i'm saying if you think back to 2006 it was just individual messages and i'm pretty sure most phones only held like 10 or 12 at a time so i
1: want i want i want to say this for our, for the younger audience that listens cuz i do know we we do have some younger audience that do not know what that was yeah so in hindsight when you send a text now you can just click into that conversation like you don't know have your conversation list it, you know when you go back out of the message. It shows you like everyone you've texted, but they each have like their own individual like little clicky yeah. box. You click yeah. in and they go into it like a normal chat. Well, if you go back to that menu where all everyone's individual texts, like conversations are, imagine that just with one person. There wasn't a box that you could click that'll bring up this big chat. No, it was those individual little boxes. That's how you went back and reread the text you sent like an hour prior or like 10 minutes prior it 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 was a lot and there was no way of um like once it got like once your mailbox got like your text box got full you had to delete the conversation if you wanted to continue or you have to like slowly delete everything or would say delete all and so you'd end up like deleting everything and then you'd lose everything
0: yeah so that's just something to keep in mind we're not talking about whole conversation we're talking just in general (laughs) but even still email was a big thing at the time as well so if you wanted to send probably more than what the the characters of a text message would allow because unlike now you're not allowed to send a dissertation to someone in a text message uh so if you wanted to send over a certain amount of characters uh you probably emailed there was i am i guess then too but you know that's not part of but even but
1: even then with 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 uh im and stuff it it wasn't private i mean anybody anybody could have hacked your shit and it was so much
0: easier to hack stuff back then than it is now yeah so one of their phone calls was even recorded and submitted into evidence for the case and used by the defense team and played in front of the entire court and it was a serious phone sex conversation (laughs) like super awkward (laughs) and it's so awkward too if you listen to it it's so awkward I I don't think I'd want to listen to it but I mean curiosity kills the cat And you're just like the one crime reporter in the one documentary even said that she's literally she's like why am I (laughs) listening to this x-rated phone sex conversation meanwhile I'm literally sitting next to this blue-haired old lady who's like crying (laughs) like so around this time, Travis was definitely seeing Jodi as a potential wife. He would constantly say to his friends how incredible of a woman she was and whoever is lucky to end up with her as their wife would have basically have it made. They'd be so lucky. Well, the more and more that their relationship grew, it became apparent that Jodi definitely had a jealous side. She was definitely very possessive over Travis. She would get like super upset if Travis was seen talking to another woman, even if it was just church or business related she made the habit of wanting travis pretty much all to herself most of the time so even a lot of travis's friends began to kind of notice this and one weekend that he and jody were staying with his friends chris and sky hughes remember them they come in later uh they basically sat travis down in another room and tried to kind of have a heart-to-heart a little bit about jody's behavior basically and sky even said i bet you she's outside listening right now Mm -hmm. so sure enough Travis sneaks over to the door to check, pulls the door open, and ta-da! Jody was standing outside listening. <laughs> so, based on a lot of interviews, it seemed like Jody didn't really care what anyone else thought. She was mostly just concerned about what Travis thought and how he felt about her. After this trip in June of 2007, Travis and Jody went back to Mesa, Arizona, and Travis decides to break it off with Jody. Like, hey, this isn't really a good fit. You're right. You know, like they're, they're right. You're kind of jealous that well Jody's communication with Travis did not stop after this she basically tried to play it off like oh well maybe I'll just be the perfect friends with benefits x and you know maybe I'll just be what he wants and then maybe he'll want me then well Travis was pretty much just using her for sex at this point all while seeing other girls from the church (laughs) so in addition to continuing to communicate with Travis and have sex with Travis, uh, Jody decides that instead of starting a new life in California um away from Travis, she decides to move to Mesa, Arizona. And not just to Mesa, but 10 minutes away from Travis's house. 10 minutes away. Stalker. So basically she could stalk him. Yeah. She would stake out his house for hours at a time just to basically see if any girls were coming to the house. Or if he was meeting another woman or bringing another woman home. Uh, since that she was like hiding in bushes and like showing like that.
1: <laughs> like, she was crazy. She basically she was
0: legitimately would, crazy. Yeah. Like she would basically show up to his house unannounced. Uh, even after he changed the lock code, she would break into his house using the doggy door and sneak up to his bedroom and sometimes Travis would kick her out other times he would give in to her and basically let her stay the night for guess what reason <laughs> well my
1: whole thing is is why didn't anyone call the cops on her for yeah. the stalking like and cuz i've i've noticed nothing that i've seen or read has said oh there was a one of the roommates called yeah Uh, call the cops which if i'm correct didn't one of the roommates kind of catch her um breaking in and would like threaten that and travis said no don't yeah
0: i mean i think so i mean it just probably depends i mean considering that travis technically owned the house that they lived in maybe it was kind of like uh you know we're renting our room from you like where do we have the right i guess kind of thing Um, and I, i still feel like
1: maybe if somebody did call the cops but but then again also Travis kind of let her on yeah let's face it he she he breaks it off he goes and sees all these other women but yet he's still keeping her as a side piece so he's still giving her that little glimmer of hope so like and I'm gonna say this somebody's gonna get mad at me I really don't care but at the end of the day yes he's the victim but also like you you led this woman on to believe that there was a possibility and I think that's really where the kicker comes in is it's just like okay yes she broke it off yes you were doing all this other stuff but you you kept leading her on for your yeah. own sexual benefit yeah not saying he deserved to die so yeah. let's get that out i did not <laughs> say that that's I'm where just i saying, think
0: it comes down to it is so many women are even <laughs> like i mean yeah i've been that i've been pissed at that situation before but i've never been to the point of like murder <laughs> so well also we're, we're way more stable valid <laughs> <laughs> just the same but yeah, so Jody's behavior was getting so severe that even Travis said to his friends, Don't be surprised if one of these Sundays I don't show up and you find me dead somewhere, which is crazy considering what would end up happening. <laughs> right around this time, Travis met a girl named Lisa through his church who he was trying to date. So he basically told Jody not to come around anymore. Well, Jody started harassing Lisa via email. She would leave notes chastising her for dating travis and one time when travis was at lisa's house he came out and his tires were slashed so at this point lisa go figure taps out she's like nah this is too much for me thanks but lisa would also later be one of the witnesses that were called to the stand by the defense for the trial as a character witness to support the notion that travis was an overly sexual person And would basically try to force sex on whatever female that he was with. So I don't exactly know why she would agree to be a character witness for somebody that was like stalking her. But
1: Well I mean she may have had it in her mind that like oh well like I said exactly what I said. Oh well he was using her. Yeah. Because by I mean by the time of all that it it came out that he was using her for all that. So she's probably like oh well that explains why she was harassing me yeah so
0: maybe a, yeah
1: i could see that but yeah all
0: right so after lisa broke it off with travis uh travis started seeing another woman from the church still all the while i think leading jody on uh but this other one was named mimi hall and the harassment from jody did not stop so at one point they even had a serious blow-up fight about this it's kind of essentially affecting their effectively ending their relationship whatever status it was at so on May 28th, 2008, it was reported that there was a burglary at Jody's grandparents' house. But the only thing that was stolen was her grandfather's gun. Mm-hmm. Typically with a the burglary, they steal electronics, Everything. cash, jewelry money. But no, just the gun. Well, right around the time of this burglary, Jody makes plans to take a road trip. Her first stop was to see Daryl, her ex, where she asked to borrow two gas cans. She would also be going to a PPL convention in Salt Lake City. And she would also be meeting up with Ryan Burns, who was kind of a new love interest as well, but that part was not exactly important in the story. It was just kind of there. Pretty sure she used him. Yeah. Just kind of a make Travis jealous thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the entire time that she was driving to Utah, Jody's phone was turned off. She claims that it died, but it comes in later why it was turned off. Now also keep in mind too, this was the time of the flip phone. So it was that little. Uh, I'm pretty sure you had to pinch the things in in order to plug it into the bottom of your phone. And I don't even think it was USB at the time. I'm pretty no. sure it was like you actually had to plug it into the wall. <laughs> there plug might have been a USB the, uh, charger at the time, like one or two, but very few.
1: If if anything, it might have been yeah. um, the like if in the cars they have the uh, cigarette outlets with like yeah. the bungee cord type thing. Yeah, that might have been the, the most but not all cars cars
0: cars did not have usbs at this time so (laughs) might have been the cigarette lighter phone charger even those
1: yeah and i say even those weren't even uh, cars were phasing them out around 2008 yeah
0: i think they started calling them like the power ports you know what Mm -hmm. i mean because it was essentially the same thing it was just instead of a cigarette lighter it was a power port
1: About I think in, um, I want to say 2006, 2007, they actually stopped putting cigarette lighters in because for those of you that don't know what the hell we're talking about, if you go out into your car, you'll see a little like circle, little thing with a a cover that you can pop off Mm -hmm. and you can stick the charger into that or you can stick something into it to give it power. Well, back in the day, those were actually instead of being a cover, there used to be a little piece that you could put inside of it and you would press it down and it would heat up. And, and it, you it would essentially when you would pop light out, a cigarette it. you could light a cigarette with it, but it was flameless. That's what ended up for ter- getting turned into these charging ports for those of you that are like, cigarette lighter, what the hell is that? Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have to, there's so much explaining it's to do.
0: Because it's a different time. <laughs> so, well, on this road trip, Jody calls Travis's phone and leaves him a long rambling voicemail talking about their upcoming travel plans for them to meet up and this will come in later so just remember that (laughs) well around this time Travis was supposed to be getting ready to go on another work trip through prepaid legal services to Cancun he was supposed to be leaving June 9th and he was supposed to be taking Mimi to Cancun as his date but she was getting really worried because she hadn't heard from him in several days. You'd think with getting ready for a big trip like that, you'd be talking about it every day, planning out what you're gonna do, kind of talking about an itinerary. But she hadn't heard from him. Um, none of really his other close friends uh, involved in PPL had heard from him either. So Mimi goes to Travis's house, and there is uh four other friends i believe that was actually two well three other friends that showed up and then the roommate kind of joined them uh go to travis's house and there was really no answer at the door travis's car was there so it was his dog uh and they made a call and got the garage code from another one of his friends well they entered the house through the garage it was kind of one of those garages that you go through the house and you essentially enter through the laundry room um i had an ex that had a house that was like this so it's a fairly common design um so you enter through the laundry room and then there's another door that leads you into the main part of the house probably a living room or a bonus room or something like that well the second that they entered the house they could smell something awful and initially when they walked in they thought it was like the dog that the dog had gone to the bathroom somewhere or something but it turns out that one of his roommates was in fact home but he was in his room watching a movie so that's why he didn't hear the doorbell So his friends started to talk to the roommates about when the last time he had seen Travis and neither, you know, really neither one of the roommates could provide an answer. And they had even thought that he had already left for Cancun. Well, his bedroom door was locked, Travis's, but they were able to get in through the door through the spare key. Once the door was open, they were hit with the awful smell, the smell of death. Not all the friends went in, but a couple did. And the ones that did could see huge blood stains on the carpet leading to the bathroom, to which Travis's body was found in a crumpled heap in the shower stall. And here's the 911 What's call. What's going
2: on? Um, our friend of ours is dead in his bedroom. We, we hadn't heard from him for a while. We think he's dead. His roommate just went in there and, and said there's lots of blood. I didn't go in, but I, I can give you the phone to someone who went in there. Yes, yeah, please, can you? Hello. Hi, so what's going on? He's, uh, he, he's dead. He's in his bedroom, okay. in, in the shower. OK, how did this happen? Do you have any idea? No, We have no idea.
3: Everyone's been wondering about him okay. for well, she a says, few days. She said that there is blood.
2: So is it coming from his head? Did he
3: come no, from his head? I, it, I, it's all over the place. Is there
2: any weapons around? I No, I don't know. I, not that I saw. How many people are in the house? There are, how, how, many, how many are in the house right now? Just the five of us? Five of us. Okay. I need all of you outside. Okay. Hold on just a moment. Okay. You're a good friend of, of Travis's, right? Yes, I am. Okay. Yeah. Has he been depressed at all? Thinking about yeah. committing suicide, anything like that? I, I don't think he's been thinking committing suicide. He's been really depressed because he uh, broke up with this girl and he was all upset about that, but I, I don't think he would actually kill himself over that. Has he been threatened by anyone recently? Yes, he, well? has. Okay. he has. A, he has an ex-girlfriend that's been bothering him and and um, following him and flashing tires and things like that. And do you know the ex-girlfriend's name? Um, um, do you remember that? What's his ex-girlfriend's name? Back here. And do you know if he's ever reported it to the police um his her name is jody um i don't know if he's ever reported hold on yeah ask her if he's ever reported jody to the police but it's travis no he hasn't reported anything about jody's behavior okay and you guys last the roommate when was the last time you saw travis was it three days ago um that uh do you guys when was the last time you saw that like i mean travis they want to know if that's from the last time i saw him was what
0: last First day First day
2: the last time I've ever seen him was last Thursday. When was that okay. Thursday? Um, Thursday. Uh, uh, Mimi saw him last Tuesday um, or last Monday. She talked to him last Monday. Okay. And everyone is out of the house? There's no one else in the house? No, no one's in the house. And what is your name? My name is Michelle. Um, I need to ask a friend something. Here, I'm giving the phone to Mimi. Okay. Um, hi. Hi. She's... And business partner. okay and this is and so, okay the tub is in his bedroom yeah and i guess um i didn't go in but from what i heard his roommate went in there's blood in his bedroom mm-hmm. behind the door Uh, and probably and then he said it's all over and then they went in the bathroom and he's in his shower i hope my phone doesn't die i'm on like one bar of battery so. okay well I'm, I'm just gonna keep you on the phone until officers arrive either officers or paramedics arrive okay Okay, I think I
0: can hear the sound. Yeah. So you can hear from the 911 call, they're all kind of in complete shock. None of them really know how to respond. It becomes kind of pretty apparent that all the friends are very, very quick to pin it on Jody. Uh, even the friends that they were staying with, uh, when she caught them listening, when they heard the news, one friend said Dodie did it. Well, the Mesa police and the paramedics arrive on the scene, as well as lead lead investigator Esteban Flores and maricopa county district attorney juan martinez he also comes into it later on as well travis's body was removed from the scene for analysis where they did hair samples fingerprinting, printing etc he'd been stabbed 29 times his throat was cut ear to ear to the point that he was almost decapitated and he had been shot in the head it was determined by the coroners that travis's, travis was murdered on june 4th 2008 Travis's body had been in that state for almost four days prior to being found and it was said that he was so discolored and had even started to mummify and out of curiosity Crystal and I have already seen those photos and they're not cute they're they're Uh, not cute we won't put them for obvious reasons we're not going to put that particular photo in but there's Less uh, demonetizing photos <laughs> that so are out I, there.
1: <laughs> if you guys follow us on Instagram or Facebook, um, uh, actually, if you go through the photos that I put up, there is a photo of what the bathroom sink it um looks like, yeah. and that kind of like will give you a heads up of like how much yeah. blood
0: was. And those really will be there. inserted in here as well, because those are fairly mm-hmm. tame enough that those are fine for YouTube, but definitely not ones of like actual body and whatnot. Yeah
1: yeah we we're we, we made that. the mistake of looking that up <laughs> we <don't>, last yeah. <laughs> year when we were talking about doing this episode and we were just like oh you can find everything yeah. um the corner I mean, you can find it well. if you're
0: really that curious you could find it don't say we didn't warn you
1: <laughs> yeah i i wouldn't do it um yeah. but there is a picture um that and it will brand is going to put it up but there there is the final living photo yeah of travis alexander on our instagram page
0: and It looks so sad and angry all at the same time. And so throughout the crime scene investigation of the house, uh, they opened the washing machine where they found a load of towels as well as a camera. Whoever had started this load of wash uh, basically intended on destroying the camera. Well, the SD card was still in the camera. (laughs) And for those that don't know, it might take some work. But even after being submerged in water something about the magnet can be restored in sd cards and that ends up being the smoking gun of this case is that they were able to restore that sd card why wouldn't she take it with her
1: because she wasn't smart
0: no she was not like let me just destroy the camera camera won't work it's fine i don't think she realized um like in the panic yeah to grab it no like, let's just throw all the bloody towels in the washing machine, but.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, why wouldn't you
0: just take the camera with you? Yeah. Like, why
1: leave it there? It doesn't yeah. matter what you do. I mean, it, it's, it's not like now. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I've resurrected a few SD cards from my cameras in the past yeah. from like exploded batteries and stuff like that. Um, It's, it, it's not that hard to
0: do. No, it's not remember earlier how we said that uh, she had left him a rambling voicemail well here is that voicemail we know now if you really listen to the voicemail it really sounds like she's just kind of lifting stuff off way too quickly she's just kind of shaky she's trying to talk to kind of make herself like she has no idea she he's dead she probably thought like while she was driving like hey you know we know what make you look incident let me just like innocent let me just call him let me just call him (laughs) like I have no idea like no idea he's dead no idea at all so what's also interesting is that Jody herself would end up calling Detective Flores to say she was so sad to hear about the news. And she had just found out with everyone else. And she even made a MySpace post remor- memorializing him and offering her assistance in any way possible because she was a really good friend to Travis. What's even crazier is that Jody would attend the funeral. The crazy bitch sat there with his family and friends as they all grieved pretending to be as sad as everyone else i don't see i don't know if it was pretending well okay don't get me wrong she was probably yes yeah, sad but it's still the fact that she was the murderer she had the and audacity, to, do had it, the audacity yeah. to go to the funeral
1: yeah i don't know like, they well they always the balls. They, <laughs> well they always they always say you know the murderer the murderers return to the crime scene or they try to and, and i mean and some behavioral science things they do say that like murders will insert themselves into investigations they will have the need to see the body see the victim i don't know i want to say i forget the name of the classification that she technically would fall into because it's not jilted lover or anything like that Mm -hmm. um there's a scientific one and lord knows i will i'll I'll remember it i will and then i'll just blurt it out and brand will be like what
0: what Mm. (laughs) we'll figure it out so, Detective Flores asked all of Travis's friends to submit their hair and DNA samples, and they all complied. And during this time of questioning, Travis's friends Chris and Sky Hughes came into town to submit their DNA and for questioning. And when Detective Flores was asking them if anyone would have a reason to murder Travis, Sky said, "Yes, Jody Arias would." Well, Jody had an alibi; she did, in fact, arrive in Salt Lake. So they started to kind of lean away from her as a prime suspect until the SD card. So the text did recover all the photos that were on the SD card and not only showed all the timestamp photos that showed her and Travis having having some sexy time, uh, that were timestamped the day of the murder, <laughs> as well as the time leading up to it. There were actually photos of before the crime happened, as well as after the crime happened. And then there were also photos essentially of during when the crime was happening. Detective Flores decides to reach out to people that Jody would have seen on this road trip. So they talked to Ryan Burns, her friend from Salt Lake, who, where he did in fact confirm that she arrived in Salt Lake around 11 p.m. on June 5th, but it was a day later than they had initially discussed. She was supposed to go on June 4th, apparently. But he said that when she showed up, her hair had also been colored brown and she had cuts all over her hands. She had claimed that she just got bartending. And then they talked to Daryl Brewer, which is when they found out that he lent her two gas cans. So now it's all starting to make sense to the investigators. She borrowed these gas cans in order to get through the state of Arizona without having to stop for gas anywhere that would leave a paper trail or have her appear on surveillance cameras or anything like that. Her dead cell phone also made sense so that the location would not ping her in Arizona. So now all this is kind of starting to point to premeditation. So clearly at this point, they know she's lying because not only can they prove the premeditation because now they have the SD card proving that she was at the crime scene the day the murder happened. So when they finally brought Jodi in for questioning, she was sticking to the story that she was not at Travis's house and there's no way I could have done this and everything else. And the interrogation footage is wild. She just goes, back and forth with Detective Flores the entire time.
4: tell you that I got stranded. Yeah. If you slept for 10 hours. And we
3: slept for here. Isn't there? are there? I pulled your cell records. Your cell phone was turned off between here and here. Okay. But the last place it pulled it was here. The next place it turned on was here. What does that show me?
4: Oh, well, I began.
3: Oh, no, no, no. Is there plenty of time for you to do that? Believe that you had come to visit Travis. Yes, I truly believe it. Did you have the opportunity? Yes, you were traveling alone. There's no other witnesses. Your phone just happened to turn off from here to here.
4: Well, I didn't turn it off physically, but it died.
3: And then it magically—you found happened. your charger here.
4: It was—it was under the packed under the seat of the passenger side, and it was when I was when you were
3: lost. You could
4: well, I did finally start looking when I was stranded. I
3: wouldn't, I wouldn't have pulled over when I was lost. Okay, this, I've been focusing on this and going over and over my mind why this happened, why your phone turns off here outside of Los Angeles. What city is that? Because
4: I got towards, as
3: far as. Um... There's no cities. There's towers. Oh okay. Well, yeah, I got... There's towers dotted all over this place. Yeah. One tower hit here. There is no way somebody can get on that 15 and magically get on that 93. Because that 15 goes right to Las Vegas, right there. It continues this way. It never goes through Arizona
4: again.
3: I it still doesn't make any sense. And I can pull the maps and show them to you, and you can go over and over and over again. But I don't think you're being completely honest with me about about that trip.
4: I honestly got lost it's it's bad timing.
3: Were you at Travis's house on Wednesday?
4: Absolutely not. I was, I was nowhere near Mesa. I was nowhere near no nope. Phoenix. I wasn't even close to him. Um,
3: what if I could show you
4: i sure
3: those pictures aren't from another time? Positive. Absolutely positive. Remember I told you about the camera?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: That camera was damaged. those photos. Right. Is you guys are having sex, taking photos of each other, and they're dated and timestamped on the day he died. You were there. Quit playing this game. It's time for you to just come out and tell I didn't tell know. Me.
4: I'm. I did not hurt Travis. I did not hurt Travis. At the same I can explain the blood
3: and the hair. I don't know about my left palm friend. How can you explain the
4: blood and hair? Well,
3: because I used to bathe Napoleon all
4: the time, and um, you haven't been there
3: since April, right? He's mm-hmm. well, had the house cleaned several times since then, and this hair was not just a hair, you know, from the shower or something. This hair was stuck with blood, and obviously. Had There's no way. There's no other hair.
4: Can you take? Can you take a hair sample?
3: We have your DNA. No, no, no. But
4: I mean, like, you know how they could do drug tests and find out when things were done. Can you? We can't do that. Can't you measure the time?
3: This is over. This is absolutely over. You need to tell me the truth.
4: Listen. The truth is, I did not hurt Travis. (sighs) Kate.
0: after detective flores essentially tells her like look this is over for you i need you to tell me the truth because one way or another you're under arrest so reads her her rights and she does in fact get arrested for the murder of travis alexander so first of all before before they do any of that uh he leaves well before he leaves the room she actually asks uh well before i get booked can i can I like put some makeup on? Can I clean myself up first? Yeah, I think even though, even the one other investigator was like, I've never seen anyone ask how her, how their hair was before taking a booking photo before. (laughs) And you even see in her booking photo, she's just, Mm. just got this like cocky little grin, but yeah, they left her in the interrogation room alone uh, for quite some time. Some say that it was like a half an hour. Some say it was like, Couple hours, kind of up in the air because everything's kind of time elapsed, but it just the footage is just so bizarre.
1: I mean, in all honesty, I'm also wondering if um she did that to try to pull a plea of
0: insanity. Well, so that's what I think they maybe tried to argue was like if they thought, oh, like if, maybe she thought, like, oh, what would a good person do? Maybe they'd maybe they'd sing, like maybe they'd do a little yoga, like
3: just do a kind of fix session. some
0: things, you know and yeah so i think maybe she thought like if they act like if she acted this way that maybe her defense team could go for the insanity plea but basically once some of the evidence starts coming out it's like clear that no one especially a jury would believe that this was like an insane woman based on all the other accounts oh but there's still people out there that think she
1: wasn't in the right state of mind she was under duress that was one of the uh things i heard was a uh, somebody had said that she was under duress because he was leading her on and using yeah. her while you know basically how was it equated to locking her in a closet basically is what they said was that um he was essentially locking her in a sexual closet while he was burning free and doing whatever he wanted he kept her on a leash because yeah. i'm correct didn't somebody i want to say wasn't it um her lawyer that said that she referred that he he had called her a bitch a few times mm-hmm. and stuff like that and
0: it's like okay but did he well this wasn't the only tactic that jody tried to portray her innocence uh she after her booking she did in fact come back the next day for more interrogation well this time she claims that it was two white american individuals in ski masks that broke into the house and attacked travis initially she said it was two guys but then it changed to a guy and a girl as her story went on um she claimed that they argued about whether or not to kill her because she was a witness to Travis's murder and um they they knew all of her information because they got her registration card out of her wallet so they knew where her family lived and that's that's why she didn't that's why she didn't say anything and they were going to kill her and they you know, the girl wanted to kill her. And she's like, you need to do this and that and da, 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 -da, And
1: (laughs) Uh, I just, you have to be on some serious shit. Yeah. To just come up with that off the fly.
0: Yeah. Well, that was their main question was like, okay, well, if you were a witness to this, why the hell didn't you report it to your, to police? Like you'd think if you witnessed people breaking into your boyfriend's house and kill them in front of you, you would do that and she's like no I ran away like a little bitch I just left him there like I was just so scared
1: this is and and I've always asked this question his roommates were in the house yeah how did they a not hear anything yeah b not see her walking through the house
0: well it's unclear as to whether they were actually home or not because you factor I mean who knows what the roommates were doing the night of June 4th
1: well, so the thing is, is there there has been other articles that speculated that um one of the guys was home. Then there was another one that said, oh no, both of them were home. So I mean, I guess yeah, but yeah. still, still, does no one think? Oh, uh, you know, I haven't like I seen my buddy in a couple or... of days, but his car's still
0: here. Or how about after he had been murdered? You'd think one of the roommates, if they were home, would have heard Jody. Running down the stairs and out of the house, <laughs> like, well, and and like, so the other. Kirk, like- <laughs> but, so here's my other thing. He was dead for four
1: days in this house, in this yeah. tub for four days. Yeah. The people that broke into the house through the dra- through the garage, like they
0: smelled it immediately.
1: They smelled it immediately. How? Yeah. Were you were you guys sick? Is that why you
0: didn't smell it? Did you think the trash
1: was like needed to be taken out?
0: Like, well, so that's what I think they actually told the investigators because that was the one thing that Detective Flores did ask them. Like, how have you been living in a house with a dead body and nobody knew it? And Bill actually made the good point when I was doing some of the research, Bill actually made the point that realistically you're guys. So yes, there could be smelly laundry, smelly trash, left food out. And ultimately they probably just went nose blind to it. They probably were just like, eh.
1: But the other problem that I have with that whole theory is I know plenty of guys out there that, especially, and I mean, I I went to church before. They're some of the neatest people you meet. Yeah. So, and then my other thing that I say on this is that's a smell that I don't think you would just associate with trash. And not only that, the washing machine was on, yeah. Did they not do laundry for four days?
0: Can you imagine how mildewy those towels smelled by the time they opened that? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's so
1: many different things that just it, it doesn't make sense. Yes. Yeah. Like you're used to seeing this guy, you knew he wasn't supposed to leave for what another day, I think, a day and a half. Like you knew he wasn't supposed to leave, and then you're not gonna think. Anything of it that is his
0: vehicle still there, or even if you had thought he already left, you'd think that you know if there was expectations of hey, don't forget to do this, 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 and this there with my dog. Like you know, he had a dog, so you'd think that if there was roommate expectation to take care of the dog, that there would have been at least been like a conversation, an email, some sort of you know something because i know like lie. my mom when like when my parents go out like would go out of town and i'd be looking after their cats even though i had done it hundreds of times my mom would still print out like a daily like hey don't forget <laughs> this don't forget that yeah. you know um and some sort of an itinerary so then that way it's like oh okay this is roughly what time they're going to be back on whatever but
1: like but 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 even so like my brain still goes okay what were the two of you doing that you didn't realize your best friend
0: slash landlord has,
1: yeah, <laughs> has been missing
0: yeah so
1: I, I i there's there's too much in my brain that just it doesn't make sense yeah. and it, i've always had that it doesn't make sense like okay were you high
0: i mean it's a possibility mm-hmm there's always the, that there's a very the, good possibility the, the one roommate that was watching um the movie it was a known thing that he had a girlfriend so he could have been at the girlfriend's house it's not you know
1: but see that's but still, my other thing that's my other thing no woman is gonna walk into a house smell smell that shit and not go oh my god gonna, what, what the is, hell that? is that yeah and, and go investigate yeah let's i will tell you right now if a, mm, i have yeah. walked into to people's houses and i'm just like yeah. Okay. Wow. What's Well, that and I mean, smell? I don't
0: want to say specifically death, but like blood alone has a very distinct smell. smell. I think yeah. they've even said that, like, in copious amounts, like a lot of people will smell like almonds or, you know, stuff high like iron. That. Yeah. And even, considering even the that fact alone. that he had been like that for four days, it just kind of makes you wonder, like, the fact what that he's level. Yeah.
1: The fact that he was mummifying, though. Yeah, that musty, disgusting smell. You can't tell me that shit didn't get into the vents and things like that. But also, well, didn't they say that like the water was still running
0: at one point? See, I've seen articles that said that it was. I've seen articles that say that it wasn't. Um, I've seen articles where it said that she initially put him in the um, shower to rinse him off like yeah. after the fact so uh, yeah that's the I other mean, thing is if the shower the... was running you'd think you would have noticed hey why the hell is the shower running for four days well, and there'd be no hot water but that like too. so my, my, so mind, my i'm gonna probably thinking... go with the notion that chances are the water was shut off because i feel like if that were the case they probably would have done it sooner
1: because it like there, there were no i mean let's or they may not have showered their own selves just saying oh my other my other thing about it is like so he was mummifying or like beginning to mummify he had such this horrible discoloration i don't think that comes from just lying out to dry
0: yeah
1: i there had to be some type of like humidity in there that was keeping him yeah because i mean at the end of the day you get out of the shower if you don't towel dry it takes what yeah, slightly a little longer yeah but i mean i don't know anyway that doesn't tell dry to get out but i mean i'm not gonna assume I'm not gonna assume yeah. but either way like i i don't see you staying wet yeah. for four days yeah it, it, i don't know a, a lot of circumstances surrounding those four days just it yeah. begs a lot of question
0: and i think that's kind of like the one plot hole that I think frustrates a lot of people Um, because in when I was doing research on this like that was the one thing that really just kind of like it's like yeah why wouldn't they have at least you know questioned xyz but either way well I I mean mean, obviously the roommates are innocent regardless of questions but (laughs)
1: but is it so wrong of me to say that maybe just maybe they were plotting i mean i'm it, not trying to sound like yeah, yeah no. like a i'm shit saying stir, could it be but, possible you know. that
0: she was like hey
1: i mean do we even have a name for the girlfriend for the one dude i don't think
0: so no because there's a lot of people that were like unnamed don't, in this yeah. so you hear the names of the people that are in um the 911 call yeah because there's obviously mimi michelle zach i think was the one roommate and then i f- think the other roommate's name was enrique but he wasn't involved in the nine one one call. But Zach and Enrique were his two roommates. But yeah. But either way, this case got a ton of media attention. We're talking borderline Casey Anthony level, OJ level media attention. And um, I mean, at
1: the time, especially if you look at the time frame, uh, if I don't want to say Natalie Holloway was roughly yeah. around that time frame too. Yeah. So it's not like this was something that was unheard of, but it's just like-
0: No, but I don't think because it was the- I don't think it was the gruesomeness of the case. I think it was because ultimately it was a woman that was a brunt of the investigation. It wasn't a man attacking a woman. It was a woman attacking a man. And that wasn't a common thing. Not that it's a common thing now, let's be honest. It's still usually the latter, um, which is unfortunate when it comes to true crime. But-
1: and and it does suck because you do see a lot of crimes where they like they'll call jody a serial killer and you're just like no No. honey she's not a serial killer she's just a killer who garnered media attention exactly because of the reason you said it's not because oh it's gruesome it was horrible yes it was Mm -hmm. gruesome yes it was horrible but it's because it was a female and the fact that she wasn't showing remorse yeah
0: And that's ultimately what it is, is when she started doing press interviews, she started telling more lies. Like even when a reporter asked her if he was abusive towards her ever, and he, she even said like, we didn't fight. He lost his temper a few times, but we were, we were never fought. And I never thought in my life that I would, that my life would be in danger. And she even like told reporters that she didn't think uh, she would ever spend one day in prison just because she didn't think that anyone would ever believe she was capable of doing anything because she just, you know, that's just how she was. She, she was, was little. Yeah. Is how,
1: is, is she said she wasn't quote
0: strong enough mm-hmm. to move him. And she just speaks in this way that she just, she she tries to be so educated and calm and like in control of her emotions and like, definitely just makes her look like this strong collected woman and like, you know so sure of herself which again confidence isn't a bad thing but you know who else had confidence ted freaking bundy
1: i honestly wonder
0: if she was mimicking him he was so confident that he defended himself in, <laughs> in trial he's not the only person to ever do that either. No, he's not but the fact that it was just ironic because ted bundy was a lawyer like when it comes down to it yeah. out of anybody that's ever defended themselves he was probably the most qualified one to do it yeah it's crazy but it's true we'll get into him at some point in a case
1: he's one that we might need to like segment. yeah yeah
0: because if not y'all y'all will lose your attention span with us and we know that so basically when the trial finally began again murder happened in 2008 trial started in january of 2013 Again, it's unclear exactly why it took this long because you factor that's a five-year gap. So, mind you, she was in prison all this time, she was doing things to entertain herself because she was under the impression she was gonna get out of jail. So she was doing all these interviews, you know. Even Nancy Grace like would make fun of her like, Yeah, fix your makeup before you answer questions about murdering your lover. Like, <laughs> Love Nancy Grace, but she's just a savage that's why i love her but like yeah and then she oh she was in the um the christmas singing competition in prison where she sang oh holy night again i think the thing was you'd win a, a christmas dinner for your whole cell block if you won so you know she's, she's singing oh holy night again one of her favorites so it's probably the only one she knows the words to probably. <laughs> but yeah, so when the trial finally began, the prosecution's case was very clear. Juan Martinez, who was the lead prosecutor and he had actually been to the scene, which is not common, I don't believe, but since he was the state attorney, he was very much the lead prosecutor on this. Which I have to question, why did he go? Again, I think it's because at the time scene? he was the like the state attorney. So I
1: don't. State attorneys I, usually don't go to the crime scene the night of
0: the discovery. I'm pretty sure most DAs have some kind of hand in hand thing with law enforcement.
3: I think so maybe usually, just
0: because the brutality of the crime, they knew that there was going to be some sort of murder trial. So again, it's just speculation, but yeah, it
1: again, just it doesn't it doesn't make sense because I don't think any of the DAs showed up at like yeah. you know the Richard Ramirez
0: murders. Yeah well and once again it'd be one thing if it was like 2009 that the trial had started but this is a five-year gap in between her getting arrested and when the trial initially started so you'd think like at this point he would have been like okay here's everything that i know here's my stack of paperwork yeah
1: (laughs) especially if you were there since night one but my, my other biggest question is why five years is it because they didn't really have every concrete thing
0: possibly or was, maybe it took was that there's... long to get all the all the all the character witnesses and whatnot in terms of schedule could have been a know. thing too
1: i just i feel like I, I don't know part of me goes was there another investigation done in those five years did somebody else kind of put some doubt that they yeah. had the wrong person and they had to like redo like rego through the case because most of the murders we talk about their trials are relatively like like snappy, snappy. bam bam bam. Yeah. It usually happens within a year um yeah, just like at least the, two the, years
0: at the minimum but yeah the
1: brian pinnell case that, that happened within a year yeah. the um charles culling case that happened within about a year
0: yeah.
1: so it's, it's like why take so long for just one murder, yeah, not multi. One, one Brian Pennell, one
0: state in one. Yeah. you know, Brian. Like Pinnell obviously, Ted Bundy's it, took forever because it was multiple states. Exactly, but Brian
1: Pennell's happened in one state, but there were like four, or five murders, something like that. And yeah. I talked about it before, but yeah. it's so up. There was, it was multiple murders involving an entire task force here yeah. in the state of Delaware. And his trial was within within the year. Yeah, it, like I think he was sentenced on the year mark of his death, or the year mark of the um, first killing. Same with uh, Red Dog. He's another local Delaware guy who got caught for it was one murder, but it happened within two counties. Like he murdered somebody here in Wilmington kidnapped the neighbor took her down to Smyrna and that's where he got caught was driving from Smyrna back up to Wilmington yeah so it's like but that trial also happened within a year of him getting caught so what makes this one case this one murder take five years isn't there um what is it uh a right to a speedy trial
0: yeah it's a
1: law it's a federal law that is like oh okay so why didn't she get the speedy trial
0: yeah and it really is i mean it doesn't kind of makes you wonder yeah
1: it doesn't make sense there's too many murders out there that it it just i'm sorry it it again the frustration of
0: of the judicial system you know But yeah, the prosecution was arguing for the death penalty right away, because that's what Travis's siblings wanted. It should be noted that at this point, Travis's parents had already passed. Both Travis's Mm -hmm. parents had passed away in, I believe, the late 90s. Dad
1: passed away in July of 97. His mom was uh, March of 05.
0: Okay. So they were basically not involved at this point. That's partially why they were taken in by the grandparents was, again, the parents had drug problems so it was basically travis's siblings that were considered the family that were working with the prosecution at this point
1: quote unquote next of kin
0: yeah basically they were his next of kin and also i believe um the sister in the one documentary that did a testimony talked about how the grandmother passed away before the selection of the first jury the grandmother that raised them so mm-hmm. she didn't get to see any of the trial which is i'm not that you know she, she needed didn't get to see, see justice. of that, but She yeah. didn't get to see justice for her grandson. Yeah, exactly. So, again, because it took so long, you know? So. Which,
1: again, why? I'm sorry. That yeah. just.
0: It doesn't make I, sense. I hate
1: to keep going yeah. back into it, but know. it's
0: just. It yeah. doesn't
1: make sense looking at all these other cases that we have talked about, that we have dealt with. Why? In one of those five years that you needed. What, what was her Christmas concerts that good in prison? <laughs>
0: <laughs> she went she went on a tour of the cell blocks
1: <laughs> but doesn't make sense
0: again it was probably her and her defense team probably it was probably a situation similar to casey anthony like where she needed to figure out a defense lawyer that was actually willing to listen to her bullshit long enough to defend her so but, didn't she
1: get um her attorney wasn't that he wasn't um uh,
0: they weren't court-appointed, right? I honestly don't know. I know she worked with a female attorney and a male attorney. um And the male attorney, were... I believe, basically wrote a tell-all book saying that he basically like she just treated him like shit. Yeah. And she would just never work with him and everything else. But then the female I... lawyer, who was primarily her attorney, she would work with somehow. Yeah. But
1: this is another female. And yeah. if I'm correct in the documentary, it was the female lawyer that was like, "Oh, she would never do this." Yeah.
0: So she was like the only person that was which here's my thing about some of these defense attorneys. You have to wonder, do they actually genuinely believe them? Or do they basically say, look, you have to tell me a story that's semi-believable enough that I can argue for a lesser sentence at minimum? No. Because like some of these, like even with case like Jose Baez for Casey Anthony, like you sit and you look at them, you're like, how the hell can you
1: defend her? bigger question in is on that mind is not do they believe you how are they going to sleep at night yeah because i guarantee you they've told them oh yeah no i did it yeah. guarantee you if you want to keep uh, we'll keep touching on casey anthony guarantee you she told her defense attorney oh yeah i did it this is where she's at but we're yeah. not going to tell anybody and a uh, client Privilege, he can't go to the cops exactly. and say anything. Like his hands are literally legally bound. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's like, okay, can you sleep at night knowing that you just def- you
0: defended yeah. someone like this? Well, there was someone a who whole other her situation daughter. with Casey Anthony and Jose Baez. That's like a whole different ballgame. But well, but I mean, with
1: with anybody, like yeah. how knowing they're guilty, like they admit it to you, yeah, or just hearing the guilty verdict and then hearing them actually say it. Can you sleep at night if yeah. that person got out free, yeah. knowing that they did something right, like exactly. they did something wrong? That's yeah. my biggest thing is like I wanted to be a lawyer. A, I I like this too much. Mm-hmm. B, I have an attitude problem. <sighs> I would be held in contempt of court way too much. Yeah. And C, I couldn't defend someone like that. Yeah. I would say, nope, sorry. I don't care how much pay I mean. you can pay me like. million. I don't give a shit. Yeah.
0: But yeah. So basically the prosecution was going for premeditated first degree murder. um, In addition, obviously to the death penalty, but obviously one had to come before the other. So the main thing that the medical examiner was on the stand to clarify was in what order were the attacks done? Because it was kind of unclear what truly was the first occurrence. She be the type to shoot him and then just stab him out of anger and slit his throat for good measure. Or did she want him to suffer? You know, was it a crime of passion? So did she stab him first, slit his throat, and then shoot him? And the medical examiner would later confirm that these, in fact, were the order that the attacks happened: the stabbing, the throat, and then the gun. It was Um, it was
1: a it was an act of passion. I guarantee you that gun was was a last. I guarantee the gun was just the good measure.
0: Yeah. So basically the medical examiner explained that the cause of death was excessive blood loss. And he also pointed out that Travis had defensive wounds, which point to him defending himself against her and not the other way around, which is important to note because some of the little tiny nicks and cuts and everything that Jody Arias claimed to have had on her. That was really it. She didn't have any other defensive wounds, which later comes into one of the other stories that they try to spin when they're on the stage. she should just make a book of you know how to come up with
1: stories to get yourself out of murder (laughs) here you go here's here's everything i did and it didn't work so don't use these yeah
0: so the biggest thing and as crystal started to go into before was the final photo of travis alive which of course we'll insert it over here um it's just kind of trying to figure out what exactly is going on behind his eyes is he posing trying to be sexy like, did she have the knife in her hand, or have like gun in her hand, or something like that? Just, just kind of like show it to him, and looks like trying to get a rise out of him initially, or because I mean, I don't know. I view it as like he was posing, but his eyes are definitely just like nothing. I so, don't think
1: I don't think he was posing. Yeah. I think she, not that she caught him off guard. I think it was like a hey, Travis.
0: yeah yeah. I think
1: that's what it was like he had like he had water coming onto him and that's where you get that expression I don't think it was uh, the naive for the gun I don't think it was any of that I don't think it was I I mean I clearly you know she didn't walk out going hey Travis no no no, I think
0: it was very much candid in the sense that you know she probably was trying to get like he was probably mid-shower like other than the posing of course that you know, like he was yeah. doing the photo, like the posing photos for, I think it was like a hey, look over here. Yeah. And that's when you would get that photo. But again, I it's think, unclear.
1: I'm honestly wondering if his response in that photo is kind of what just made her go. Yep. And like
0: lose her shit. Yeah. Like she didn't get the reaction she wanted. Well, so like, here's my thing though, because obviously the photos are happening before and after and like during so obviously she had the knife in her hand at some point like it was with her you know what i mean
3: because that photo if
0: that's the last photo of him be alive she wouldn't take that photo and then be like okay hold on (laughs) well so you know she could have said you know taken the photo
1: and then put the camera down yeah and like because i think didn't they say like she got in the shower with him at one point and then well, she got so, out who's to say that she didn't get out you know grab like a towel or something yeah and then just
0: well, out so of that's anger the thing there's the burst photos that kind of come into play that it's the question of how did they even get taken in the first place was it a timer did like the camera drop and like fall on the button was it a setting was it like a burst setting so, um
1: if you were to drop a camera, um, and I, I, I have yeah. uh, professional cameras, and I've worked with cameras since I was a kid. Um, if you were to drop, it would not have taken um, that many pictures, yeah. not like how you would on your your phone yeah. um if it would have dropped it wouldn't have taken it may have taken one photo yeah. um unless she had a certain setting on her phone or like on her um camera that like if she clicked the button it would like go which there's a possibility but ye- i don't think if it would have fallen especially because um uh, of course I took photography in here.
0: college and the camera that they gave us had a sport mode on it and i mm-hmm. remember playing with that
1: Oh. there is a mode that um you can actually mess with the settings um and it can give you more shots within yeah. that click but you would hear it yeah. like you could hear it go not just most of the buttons actually are like slightly receded a little bit depending on the model of the camera the button might not have been like flush like above the top some of them actually just go like straight across. Yeah. Where like let's just say the phone's here like yeah. if she was to drop it or if it was to fall it would have had to fall in a certain way to yeah. go from here to here. Yeah. And if it fell I could have seen it going forward
0: which again kind of brings the question of it all kind of circles back to like okay well how do these pictures exist in the first place? The angle that they're at thinking you know, putting myself in the position of that. A shower Mm -hmm. stall is fairly small based on also the fact that we've seen the photos of the shower stall, semi-small, maybe about the space that I'm working with, if that. So when you're thinking about it, you wouldn't be holding it with the same kind of, like you wouldn't even one-handed, you wouldn't be holding a camera Mm -hmm. like perfectly, like one angle perfectly if you were actively stabbing someone stabbing somebody so and like thinking about it in that terms maybe she did have a setting like a random burst setting on it and she's yeah. holding it and obviously as she's moving because if you look at the photos i mean we've showed them you know the burst photos across here um, if you look at the photos they're definitely not like a high you know her height angle they're from like down low so maybe again maybe it's a she set it and then just kind of let it go as she was you know i
1: stupid me well not really stupid but like especially with the angles it makes you wonder could it have been on a tripod with a timer
0: so i was gonna possibly. say timer has been argued but jody doesn't really st- strike me as the type to like prop up on a, <laughs> a tripod so yeah, but you don't know bathroom, she may have but she
1: may have had it already set up in possibly. the bedroom that's also a possibility as well that's where i'm thinking like she maybe already had it set up in the bedroom because who's to say that that photo she took of him was her holding the camera who's to say it couldn't have been on a tripod just Uh, based on the close proximity
0: to like where the like where she like where the camera is to where travis is standing oh it seems like chances are it was in close proximity
1: i mean like one like this
0: yeah oh so like like, if you
1: have a camera if you have a camera yeah i'm hoping this doesn't mess me up but if you have a camera you can hold it like this yeah that's true on a tripod like this it'll keep it steadier than if you were to you know i won't a vlog camera
0: yeah so again it's a it's a thing that kind of comes back was just how are those photos in existence in the first place because it's not quite often that you literally have photos of the murder happening when it's happening it's typically a after the fact kind of thing (laughs) so another big piece of evidence uh, that was entered in was jody's personal journal basically looking for any entries where she would have written about travis being abusive or violent or anything like that to her and all she could, like, all they could find was entries about how much she loved him and how great they were together and how she saw their future and everything else. So Jody herself would later take the stand uh, and spin a completely new story. Um, and she was on the stand for 18 days, which is crazy. Like, I was when I served a jury for a criminal case, we were there for seven days total, and that was a weekend in between. We did not do 18 days of the same person trying to tell five different stories. <laughs> Just no. But this time, she claims she did kill Travis Alexander, but it was in self defense. She claims they were taking out, taking photos, trying out different poses, and she dropped the camera. So he snapped. He said, a five year old could hold a camera better so she claims that he body slammed her onto the tile and she was trying to run and get away from him so she ran and hid in the closet uh where she knew that he kept his gun which conveniently was the exact same caliber gun that was stolen from her grandparents imagine that um so she wanted to just scare him so she she wanted to just point it at him just so like he saw it so he could see it but the gun just went off she doesn't even believe she was holding the trigger But then she just blacks out and she has no memory of what happened after that. Um, And it's like, I can just imagine her defense team being like, yeah, so like after you shoot him, just make sure you like black out because like we can't explain the rest of it. (laughs) Like like, we can explain the shooting part, just but like black out and you just have no memory of the rest of it. Because
1: I just, I feel like no matter what you, like no matter what way you look at it, she's you don't make up that many different stories if you're not guilty
0: that's what I'm saying yes like (laughs) I'm so so sorry that sounds horrible but did she think that a jury who at this point was aware of how many different like so that's the other thing too is as a jerk because I've been a juror before in a criminal thing when you're when you like when the lawyers or whatever or the defendant brings up something that has been dismissed they they said that's no longer a thing please dismiss the jury for you know like they like literally they, they don't mess around if you start to say something that is not part of the trial they shut it down yeah. so you just wonder how many times in that trial was that maybe a factor they're like oh no that's part of in that's inadmissible no yeah. recess the jury like so Can't maybe talk that's about why that. the trial took so long because <laughs> the trial took five months total yeah it took between january and may so that's a five-month trial factoring that court is not in session on fridays in most states so there's three weekend days in between there so <laughs> obviously still- also not factoring holidays either so martin luther king day you know yeah, any, Easter, any federal you know.
1: holiday. Yeah. But I mean, even on that, like, you also have to think, like, the jurors couldn't go home during any yeah, of those they holidays. Were
0: they were, were stuck. Could you, you also have to how question, too, if they possibly took... lost their job? Yeah. Well, so you also have to question, too, if it took five years for this trial to get off the ground, how many jurors do you think were like probably 18 year olds or young kids that really just probably hadn't heard of it? Because mm-hmm. you factored nobody who was of adult age in 2008 probably hadn't heard anything about this case, especially it got a mm-hmm. ton of media coverage. So you factor how many jurors did this, just like with OJ, how many jurors do you think they had to go through to find
1: that somebody that didn't be impor- know
0: impartial? It was probably very similar to Casey Anthony in a sense that they just had to give up on trying to find jurors that hadn't heard of anything. They were just mm-hmm. like, okay, look, can you be impartial? like they were just like look we know you've heard of it but like can you be impartial at this point
1: i mean you gotta think the the jury was probably made up of a lot of people our age that's what i'm saying I mean, at, yeah. the, at,
0: the, at the time i i hadn't heard of it i didn't watch I, the news
1: i heard of it just a little bit because i was a sick morbid little kid that well not a little kid but i was a sick morbid teenager like stuff like
0: that I was like well, somebody was murdered but, but again, like, I didn't also, watch the also my news was like Facebook and MySpace you know Facebook, so I was not even a real thing like it, it was
1: it, it's get up and go it was MySpace yeah <laughs> and even then like they weren't even really
0: focused on like any type of news so basically at this point Jody and her defense team are getting uh desperate for less of a better word because let's be honest at this point when you've changed your story five different times you're pretty desperate and you're gonna try anything so at this point in addition to claiming that travis was abusive she claimed that travis was a pedophile so she oh yeah she she went for yeah she went for the full yeah she claims she walked into his bedroom one day and caught him pleasuring himself to a photo of a young boy but like other than jody's word there was literally no proof of these claims the defense claims that there was proof of it on travis's computer but like the prosecution must have deleted it because they can't buy it as we said uh when jody was on the witness stand she was on the witness stand for 18 days um i think her defense team they figured you know this is hopeless might as well just just let her let her do her thing why not So basically in the, oh, he was so abusive, you know, she would hold her finger like, like all weird, like, like, like almost practically like my fingers are really small, like hers are kind of long and bony. So like, like, she would just hold her finger all weird, like, oh, look, my finger is all bent. So he's so abusive, just. (laughs) <laughs> but the, like then you see photos of her like with her arm around somebody after the incident supposedly occurred and her finger was fine it's like well my fingers is straight and this finger is bent so he's so abusive and that's my injury but i think they also thought too that with the body slamming on the tile they're like okay well that's that's going to be the one thing that wouldn't leave her with any sort of like defense wounds so let's just go let's just go for that so basically I think they determined just no matter how many ways Jody tried to spin her story the jury were still going to find issues and plot holes in pretty much all of the stories um and as we said before that's if all the stories were even entered into evidence for all we know the first three could have been thrown out we have no idea oh
1: there's probably they probably didn't even well okay so they probably had to put everything that um yeah. made it out onto like the media knowledge. yeah yeah i think that that all had to go out but other than that i don't think yeah. anything else and I'm, I'm so sorry i had to like move my no, screen good. so apologize but. viewers but like
0: <laughs> but yeah you yeah. factor at this point But by the time the trial had even started she had done you know so many media interviews with abc news and fox oh. news and you know cnn and you know all these other things that it's like she had told different stories every single time it seems like and not to mention everybody had seen her in an interrogation footage and stuff like that so it's like people were aware of all the different stories she was trying to tell at this point so it's not like it was like oh shut it down so i don't know but jody was still confident jody was still confident that the jury would believe her and she just wouldn't be convicted after a five-month trial jurors finally go in for deliberations and this trial was to determine the guilty or not guilty. And if you don't know, this decision has to be unanimous or a mistrial is declared. So on May 8, 2013, after four days of deliberation, Jodi Arias was convicted of first-degree murder. Her defense team had basically tried in the closing arguments to basically say that if she should be convicted of anything, it's just manslaughter, but not premeditated first-degree murder. But In fact, she was found guilty of first-degree murder. Basically, there was a huge crowd of people outside waiting to hear the verdict. Like, we're talking OJ status. People basically plan their vacations around the ability to be there for this verdict reading. I mean, it was a long trial. People were following it. Wasn't nearly as long as OJ's trial. But people were, I think, again, fascinated by the fact that it was a woman on trial for the murder of a man. Is realistically... Probably what it came down to. So one way or another, this was just to determine guilty or not guilty. They would have to do a completely separate trial for the sentencing, because obviously that was a life or death sentencing situation. So this was pretty much kind of a year-ish later. They basically were doing the death penalty or life in prison trial. And several of Travis's siblings spoke on his behalf. His sister, Samantha, as I mentioned before, her testimony is super heart wrenching and really kind of hard to watch because she really does talk about just how important Travis was to their family and just affected their whole family leading up to the trial. So basically, yeah, during this whole life or death trial, now it's Jody's turn to address the jury address the family address everything about her previous statements across the entire trial in the media etc and she tried to argue that she never intended to make travis look bad it was just a it was actually in fact to preserve his reputation which yeah i know i don't know how that works oh yeah and then she showed up to court with this t-shirt she's like i designed this t-shirt it's this white t-shirt with this purple survivor across it. And it's like, and you know, if you buy one, all the profits will go to a nonprofit that uh, benefits female survivors of domestic abuse and Like all this other stuff. So basically she's, yeah, she's basically saying that she can do a lot of good in jail. She's going to, you know, raise money in jail for other domestic abuse survivors. She, she wants to start a program where she helps women in jail learn to read. Cause apparently that that's just no one in, no one in jail can read. Apparently she also wants to restart, start a, a recycling program in the jail and she tried to say how good of a person she was because mm-hmm. in her time in jail, that five years she was locked out up, oh, she's she's grown her ha- hair out twice and donated it to Locks of Love, which like what, isn't even good a good organization. Which yeah, like, first
1: number one can, and for different
0: f- reasons. Which we can put some better ones down mm-hmm. below if you if you'd like. <laughs> That's a whole different cosmetology track that we don't need to get on. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you forget just- we're literally like licensed cosmetologist over here okay guys <laughs> and there's certain
1: things that just it doesn't make sense
0: yeah, there's like just things that i mean water condition that, yeah
1: nutrition yeah. health there's a bunch of crap plus yeah. also no offense i don't think they're using you know high quality shampoo or you know no. even conditionings there sorry sorry (laughs) but yeah stuff like that just one way or
0: another she just you know she's trying to pin pin herself as this good person and i'm such a sweet and innocent saint and i'm the victim and wait no victim like bitch you ain't the victim it's just yeah so and using domestic
1: abuse as a umbrella to hide under yeah if there was domestic abuse you would have called the cops Yeah, he would have been arrested there would have been proof of it you would
0: have written about it in your diary or there
1: would have been something and and my big my biggest issue with her using that is that's why people like her are the reasons why women don't speak yeah even men yeah there are men out there that don't speak about getting abused oh yeah i mean and oh yes fourth wall broken yeah guys women beat the crap out of men all the time yeah it's not just a, oh it's a guy thing guys yeah. be, no it, goes it just doesn't get ways. reported upon and that's no why. because guys don't think they'll be believed they'll be yeah. heard it's which sadly in today's society yeah i don't know don't mind me i'm yeah
0: but basically yeah so after all that after three days of trial the jury came back eight votes for death and four for life in prison so of course a mistrial was declared for this portion of the trial and I feel like it shouldn't
1: have been though i feel yeah. like there was eight that wanted it well majority rules
0: so unfortunately again it has to be a unanimous decision which is kind of again annoying i do feel like it could majority otherwise rules. be a unanimous yeah um <laughs> you think that's bad amet um let me get into the second one so the <laughs> second go at the sentencing trial was about a year and a half later so at this point we're probably talking what 24 2014 2015 if we're talking a year and a half later 2015 the the second go around it 11 for death one holdout for life well in the state of arizona the prosecution can only go for the death penalty twice so at that point it is up to the judge so the judge sentenced her to her natural life in prison with no possibility of parole and Jody's defense team even tried to file a motion to dismiss all of her charges based on misconduct. The male attorney, I guess, tried to write a tell-all book, which was a whole different thing, and that got dropped. And then they tried to argue the child porn deletion by the prosecution from Travis's uh, computer, and that was thrown out because they had no proof whatsoever the evidence even existed. So, yeah, Jodi was uh, basically sentenced uh, to live out her days at the Perryville Correctional Facility in the Phoenix, Arizona area. She was in solitary confinement for quite a while. And then on good behavior, she was later moved to a communal area where she could have a roommate and participate in, you know, other kind of jail activities. She claims she's harassed by other women in jail. I can only imagine and, uh, one of, one of the visitors that came to see her, she asked them to tweet out that she had no hot water in jail. Once again, trying to play the victim card. I know tiniest, tiniest violin ever. So yeah, basically as a present day, Jody is still in prison right where she needs to be. No, in And to be there was in fact justice for Travis. It's a shame that it had to take as long as it took to get said justice it's a shame that he had to lose his life over what feels like something fairly stupid just jealousy realistically and it's a shame that his name and character had to be drugged through the mud during the trial and the whole process of it but yeah so that- one
1: thing i want to know during this whole mess is like all these movies and documentaries that are made about her how much of that money did she get
0: yeah just i by feel the, like she shouldn't have alone. gotten a single cent i hope not i hope it goes to travis's family that's the only thing that I can help at this point
1: or, or not even not even Travis's family at that point like because it's I mean it's not like he had kids Donate it, it to an actual organization for you know surviving victims or yeah. some some type of charity that actually does something you know yeah. and, and don't give her a damn cent and that's no. what ticks me off it's like don't mm. I don't know, we can go on and on
0: and on about what oh, me on about this but case. One way or another, she is right where she needs to be. And that is the story of a crazy ex-girlfriend, Jody Arias.
1: <laughs> so moving forward with our scheduling for trying to get more episodes out, I will say we're going to work on it a little bit more. Again, we have Valentine's Day coming up for our jobs which is a very popular time because let's face it guys want to look fresh then we have after that is easter people really don't get haircuts for you know saint
0: patrick's Ooh, day i just thought about an episode that we can do mm-hmm. i will be going to disney the second week of march we could do a spooky disney rumors
1: oh definitely. i'm just
0: saying <laughs> Clearly, y'all, she yeah. goes
1: to, she goes to disney i have never been So when it comes (laughs) to anything like Disney theme park related, she, she's, she's the one we're going to go with on that one. I'm just, uh, I probably won't even hop on those. I will just let her take that reins and just run with it because I, I'll just sit here and go, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, (laughs) but like I said, we will be touching on the, um, Encanto conspiracies that I've been reading about um also a few of my own because I, I think i I'm pretty sure I've texted you like anytime yeah. I found something new in this series um I'm possibly also going to touch on a Johnny Bravo conspiracy theory that I saw um going through some random stuff if you can think of any like cartoon conspiracies because I've noticed people like just like to hear those don't know why don't, don't why you all love them me destroying comments. your childhood <laughs> But uh, yeah, let, let, let us know in the comments below. Also, you can follow us on our Facebook and Instagram. I promise they both now have the same name. It is <laughs> all the
0: information will be linked below, linked below in the description. Regardless, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah.
1: I, We we had we had a little a little misgo with Facebook when not wanting to give us our name. Um, but follow us at the Speaky Barber Babes on Instagram or Facebook. Also, um, there'll be an ex- probably a q a coming up soon gonna have to figure out how we're gonna do that but um most likely that'll be done over on our instagram account she was saying i can actually tag her in um but again we'll try to get some more stuff out to you guys on the youtube channel we apologize for the what like almost three months hiatus from youtube
0: <laughs> but it's as she said holidays christmas and we put a lot, a lot of stuff out um yeah. and for those who have never edited a Zoom podcast before it's a lot of work, it's a lot so of work.
1: Roughly <laughs> just to explain this to everyone, where you're probably getting what like an hour, hour and a half worth of content.
0: There's we almost-
1: started recording at two o'clock, and it is now five o'clock. Yeah,
0: so not to mention the photos, the you know, the all that. There, so. There's so
1: there's so much that's actually intern with all yeah. that that it's just like oh it's uh, a lot of time to do Takes a you get lot of you time. get like half of what we recorded yeah. because of pauses uh, the fact that her and I both say um so many times I stopped trying to edit that out on the podcast because I say um too much or uh I apologize y'all I am a human
0: the fact that I had I a script am... today probably helped but <laughs>
1: In the future, we'll be working a little bit more on me not being sick when we record and also trying to get more of Brianna in the folds, (laughs) bring her on in, Um, but also... We want to say thank you to everyone. I know I've been saying it multiple times on every episode that I've made um, on the podcast so far this year, but thank you. We genuinely mean it. Without you guys, we probably would just look like a bunch of nutcases sitting on our computers talking about murder
0: all day. Um, Oh wait, that's not what we do?
1: (laughs) I mean. mean... (laughs) But anyways, thank you all so much for your support. Um, just even telling people about us, it means a lot.
0: If you are watching this version on YouTube, obviously subscribe. I think she said that. But also feel free to go over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc., and make sure you're following us there. Leave us a review. Um, you don't necessarily have to even listen to it there. It just helps with the analytics for whatever reason. YouTube doesn't quite track all that yet so
1: the other the only other thing i do want to put out that um i don't know if brianna knows but um there is on spotify a um q a section Mm -hmm. that i literally put up a question at the end of every episode that gets put out with the episode to where you can leave comment on spotify and we do get those if you leave a comment on any of our platforms we respond um and then also recently Facebook did this awesome thing and started uploading our podcast straight to our page, which was one of the most epic things that podcast, that, you know, the podcast could have gotten was that Facebook's like, oh, you uploaded an episode last night here. I'm going to give it to you a day late, but here, here you go. You got it. And it, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Sorry. I get excited. It's like, hey, new toy. I hate to say it, but
0: that's kind of what like all of that is. It's like yeah. new toy. don't mind me (laughs) so with that we are going to leave you for the evening but as she said we will uh catch you guys in the next episode which is to be determined but hopefully won't take that long to be (laughs) determined
1: yeah we promise it won't take it won't be three months no
0: it won't it It probably
1: will be a couple weeks be safe as always again from the person who (laughs) from the person who literally would not wish this cold on their worst enemy be safe even if you don't believe in the vaccine and masks and all that at least just be safe wash your hands do your part don't sneeze in somebody's face don't cough in somebody's face be a normal human being
0: I said this to a gentleman (laughs) the other day and you know I, I said this to a guy the other day and it was it doesn't matter if you're left right up down red blue purple yellow green there is no political party associated with being a good person
1: and there's also no political party in being dead either
0: so well that too there's that so. too <laughs> <laughs> on that note
1: <laughs> have a good night everyone
0: bye guys